what's the deal with fantasy fiction? Why why are you why is this your genre of choice? It's a great way to meet girls. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yeah. In high school when you're carrying around a big thick book that had dragons and knights on it, oh, all the popular girls were all over it. Captain of what football team? Hello. Welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today I'm joined by my pal, David Gates, who is going to talk with us about his favorite genre, fantasy fiction. And um, so I just wanted to welcome you. Hello, Dave. Hello, Amy. Thank you for having me. Look forward to this. And uh but but before we jump into this, I did just want to do a bit of a segue. Uh, David has a background in politics, and at the time that we're doing this recording, something big has happened in Canada over the past week. And uh, David, I was just wondering if you could weigh in on it was our, an election took place yep. for our uh, Canadian listeners and also for our international listeners. So we have to. Oh could you my. put could you put this into perspective, David? What happened? Yeah, the big event is also called the big nothing. Okay. So we had a, a parliamentary election. We're a parliamentary system, like Britain, and basically we had a minority government. It was called by a pretty boy named Justin Trudeau. Yes. I call him JT. Right. Trudeau, not Timberlake. <laughs> and uh, anyway, big election during a pandemic, wave four going through the whole country. And the result uh, actually was they got the exact same number of seats as they did in the past parliament, almost every party. So that's quite interesting in that if you looked at the opposition parties, this was probably one of their best chances to make some gains, given people's fury about the pandemic, having this election. Yet even with that, and one of the parties, the New Democratic Party, which is the most far left party, spent record sums of money. They had a young, attractive leader, yeah, and they actually only gained one seat after all that effort. So it makes you think, like in the medium to long term, is this going to be the status quo for Canadian politics, federally? And what do you think? Yeah, I do. You do. Because I think you're going to see the opposition parties, the Conservative Party, and I think you're about to see a civil war happening there, a lot of bloodletting. That's their tradition. Yeah. And the NDP is too broke to uh, have a leadership convention, so they're going to have the status quo. Right. So I think the liberals, um, you know, they're sitting pretty, even though they're a minority position. So. Okay. So, okay, that's a good summary. And let's move over and talk about why we're here. And um, what happened was I was talking with David, and he knows I have this podcast He's a listener, and uh, or I've made him listen to some, and uh, he was talking about fantasy. So I got back to him, and I said, yes, I would love to have you on the podcast, and I gave him, I assigned him a book to read, and that book, assigned. I did, I assigned it, and something kind of interesting happened, but the, the book is called The Kingdoms by Natasha Pulley, but before we get into all of that... Um, I just wanted to ask you, what what's the deal with fantasy fiction? Why why are you why is this your genre of choice? It's a great way to meet girls. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yeah. In high school, when you're carrying around a big thick book that had dragons and knights on it, oh, all the popular girls were all over it. Captain of what football team? No. Oh no. <laughs> no, actually, I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah. Um, so I looked up probably my favorite quote. 
and it's from the great George R. R. Martin, okay. who, who wrote Game of Thrones. Right, okay. Because I'm sure he faced this question, and every male faces this question, and female. Yeah. So this is how he defines it. The best fantasy is written in the language of dreams. It is alive as dreams are alive, more real than real, for a moment at least, that long magic moment before we wake. Fantasy is silver and scarlet, indigo and azure, obsidian veiled, veined with gold, and lapis lazuli. Reality is plywood and plastic, done up in mud, brown, and olive drab. Okay, wow. I don't like fantasy, but now I think I might. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. This, This is the best line. It's a bit longer, but I won't prolong it, but it's, Fantasy flies on the wings of Icarus, reality on Southwest Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I like fantasy. Now, I, I think most of us, because we're the same age, and uh, all the great children's books we read, a lot of them, you know, Narnia, Fantolbooth, mm-hmm. that was fantasy. But then I didn't keep going with it. Right. So, so you got it. <laughs> At 52, I'm still going. <laughs> Some of us... So, okay, if I hadn't made you read this book, what, what would you have suggested? Or what, tell, tell me about some of the books that you really enjoy. Well, this, that's really funny because that kind of goes back to when you asked me to do this book. Okay. So I was in Victoria when you asked me. So yeah. I went to that old bookstore at downtown Victoria. Oh, Monroe's. Monroe's. That's a great cook. Oh, which is one of my bookstore. favorite. Yeah, it's like, amazing. It's yeah. an old bank building if yeah. you haven't been there. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Anyway, so I got the book. Yeah. And I look at it, and the review, like the endorsement, you know how they have other authors endorse their books? Yeah. So the one that endorsed it was a woman by the name of Catherine Addison, who did The Goblin Emperor. Okay, not the book. Sorry. <laughs> I had a very good t- another Oh, you movie. have a copy of it. So this is the backstory. So the week before... <laughs> The week before you asked me to do this book, oh, no. right? Yeah, I was at Book Warehouse, which is an indie store on Broadway yeah. in yeah. Vancouver. Yeah, funny name for an independent bookstore, Book Warehouse. Yeah. But anyway, okay. it should be like Pearl's Delight or something. Yeah, and I had bought this right. to read, and I had started reading it. So I got all excited about you asked me to read about Natasha Pulley. Oh, what a and why did I pick this? Is because. It was in the employee recommendations, and they always have really cool choices. Yes, they do. Right? Yes, they do. And this was endorsed by a guy named Scott Lynch, who wrote The Lies of Locke Lamora. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Am I losing you? Anyway, anyways, the book, that's like one of my favorite books. Yeah. So oh, had, okay. So yeah, there's, there's like a thread. There's a train. So I was expecting, and I started reading this, and it's pretty good, but okay. I, I still got a ways to go. Right. But Liza Locke Lamora was a damn good book. Okay. Like, really fun, too. I'm going to put that in the show notes in case anybody wants to check it out. Absolutely. It is. The the sequels to it, the Gentleman Bastard series, are okay. But that first book is just a pleasure. So I got really pumped about reading The Kingdoms. Right. Okay. So, now, when... Okay, I'm just going to put this out here. Both of us didn't like this book. We're going to talk about... And so this, this, this presented a whole different whole set of things, but I think it's actually a a worthwhile discussion. And one of the things David asked me, he's like, why, why did you choose this book? And (laughs) and I'm going to tell you the why I chose it. I chose it because we got talking and I thought, okay, this, he doesn't just like fantasy. He likes like, I, I, well, I was reading about different types of fantasy and I think it's called high fantasy that you like. 
correct? Mm-hmm. Like, and so I just thought people, it might be going a little out of my little out, little out of my demo, and that people might not want to hear about hobbits and potions and all this <laughs> stuff. And so I thought. What happens is I'm always looking to see what new books are coming out. And this particular book, The Kingdoms, got a lot of buzz. Yes. And and got a lot of notice. And it's not something I would normally uh, read or have a perspective on. I thought, that's that's what we're going to do. It's a good idea. But, okay, so... Let's, why don't we just talk about the book? Okay, so I'm going to give a little bit, um, just an overview of what the book's about, and then um, we're going to go from there. So this book, The Kingdoms, is written by Natasha Pulley, and it's a part historical novel, time travel story, fantasy, and romance. And the genre that it specifically falls under, it's an alternate history novel, which is a form of speculative fiction in which a real historical event is resolved differently than it actually happened. And of course, that would mean it changes everything. And so to know in this book, the setting, what you do need to know in this book, Napoleon conquers England in the Battle of Trafalgar, and therefore England is a colony of France. And then the other thing to know, because this is fantasy, there is a stone portal in the sea that serves as a passageway between centuries. So with that in mind, what the story's about is a complex story. It's about a guy named Joe Tournier who arrives in the city of Londres, which is the French colony of England, in 1898. So that's London. I, I yes, it's London. Yeah. And he, but it's now in French, so it's Londres. And he has no memory of who he is and how he got there. But he steps off the train, and he's got a postcard in his pocket, and it, the postcard's in English, which is forbidden, and it's postmarked 1805, and what it says is, Dearest Joe, come home if you remember, and it's signed M. So then Joe thinks, you know what, I got to get to the bottom of this. I have to find out who M is. He feels like this is going to be the key to his missing memory, and it leads him to the Outer Hebrides, back and forth through these stone portals, and on a dangerous quest to reunite with his family without changing the course of history or erasing his own existence. So that's the setup. And then what, tell us, David, what, what did you think? Well, and one important detail about that postcard is it actually was dated 90 years before he received it. Oh, right. Okay. Which made that's it right. even more perplexing. Perplexing, right. Yes. Okay, okay. So, I mean, the story itself is, I give her a lot of kudos for, like, she's obviously a very accomplished writer. Like, you look at her biography. Totally. And you look at the reviews. A lot of people love this book. They love it. Kirkus, like all the big reviewers, gave it very powerful reviews, how it's a page turner. Right. The courage she showed. Um, And in essence, it's more of a love story than anything else. Right. Which, again, was a stretch for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're moving into a whole nother genre. Yeah, let's talk love stories. (laughs) So anyway, so there's elements. So I give her a lot of credence for that. And also, I like writers that kind of play for keeps like that. If they're going to, like, kill off a character or anything like that, I I kind of always like that, like, to keep the pace of a story going and stuff. And she's willing to do that, which is cool. Right. But her writing style... It was really interesting. A couple of things. Her writing style is very sparse. Like, she didn't really describe, she doesn't describe things. Like, and it's probably okay. on purpose. Like, I don't know if, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here, but Joe 
uh, he's reunited with his wife right. in London, right? right? Right. And she's a very opaque character. All you can hear is she's a lot younger and she's good looking. Right. But that's about it. Yeah. Like he, he never, you never get to that next layer of detail, which is yeah. so ironic because the other books I was telling you about, yeah. the thing about them, their world building was the richness of the detail. Right. Yet she was the opposite, which I found yeah. really compelling. So it's, I guess it's a plot driven book then. Maybe, maybe. Plot, but subtleties too. Like it, it was really tough to describe, but it, it, the story just kept bouncing back and forth in the different eras, right? right. And so you had to, it was really tough to know which ones were aligning with which ones, which story arcs. To her credit, uh, by the end, like when you qu- you stopped reading it in the middle, I did, which I, was I, the biggest slog. I I, I quit the book. I have to admit. Yeah. And the reviews I've heard that have been a bit critical of the book have all cited the middle part that oh. it's a bit of a grind, and it was. Oh. And that's when I was like, that's when I texted you saying, why did you ask me to review this book? <laughs> so, but anyway, to her credit, to her credit, she does, she does wrap it up into a, a very unique, compelling So that's what, so the one thing, and I'm like, oh, wow, I put it down because it said that um, the ending is satisfying and that the love, there's a love story that fully develops. And so can you talk about either of those things without talking fully about them or can you give some well it's evident once you're in about the first 70 pages of the book that there is a homosexual element to it right um so it's 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 kind of articulated with one relationship and then it's kind of a recurring theme in the book right which again is a new homosexual love story is a new angle for my reading as well right right but so there is that element. To give her credit, she does a very effective job of building it up. And the, the ending is done so well because it's not 100% expected. Okay. So I give her a lot of credit for the uniqueness of it. However, the real knock I have on it, and I think I ranted to you about this part. <laughs> so I'm not going to give anything away. But to give you a sense, there's a scene. Like sometimes there's just gaps. Right. common sense. Like, right. I, I don't know where her editor was. <laughs> okay. okay? Like, so I'm going to just describe it generally. So they're in a jailhouse in London. Right. And this place, she has described at length how, what a fortress it is, how hard it is to maneuver. Yeah. And they're in this room where basically the characters are prisoners. Right. Except, and one is impersonating somebody else. Okay. And has a gun with them. Okay. And this kind of villain is there and he has a warden and a couple of guards there. Right. So all of a sudden he's kind of getting on to what they're up to. So one of the characters kills him. Okay. So you're thinking, okay, now what are they going to do? Right. Right. Like you're in the middle of this heavily fortressed prison. Right. There's this warden guy too. And a couple of his guards hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. This is the next caption after this happens. They were outside. Outside, just like that. There was a tall gatehouse that led out, out to the t- tiny cobbled street, a portocollis above the gateway, the main entrance of the Bat Bailey. Excuse me? Like, <laughs> am I being a bit rude just asking, like, how the hell did they get out of there? Right. Unscathed. Right. So that's when. That's when the wheels fell off for you. Yes. 
Uh, I think, so another thing that went wrong with this book, besides the fact what we did was we both compromised. Well, I actually made you compromise. So you weren't really reading. I should have let you be you because it would have been, you know, probably better. And then (laughs) for me, I think what I've been trying to do is go outside different genres, but this may have just not been. I'm glad I read it. Yeah, no, it's good. But you know what I did wrong and I wish I hadn't here. And this is a lesson I wanted to say is that I did this book via audio and that was the mistake. And so audio is new to me. I I started, the only reason why I started with audio is because I had to get more through more books once I started the podcast, but you can really only do audio with certain books. This is too complicated. And the other thing on top of that, almost everybody who's listening to audio books is doing something else. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm driving, I'm whatever. So I'm only, I'm not paying 100% attention. Right. So what ended up happening, I didn't know if they were, which portal they, where if they were back and forth and the people. and But it sounds like you still had that even reading it. I did. And I found I had to reread a lot of So I was starting to reread it. And then yeah. I was like, you know what? And then. And then I thought if I wasn't doing the podcast, I would have quit the book. And then that's a whole nother conversation because some people never quit books. And I believe you should, if it doesn't work for you, do you quit books? Yes. That's like that one. I mentioned that lock Lamora. Yeah. I love the first book and yeah. I was halfway through the second one. Yeah. And I was just kind of stick sick of the shtick. I was just, it, it was, just wasn't the right. It wasn't it, the freshness yeah. was gone. Yeah. And I quit halfway through. Yeah. I think, I think it's okay to do that. And, um, but I did want to say, like, so a little bit about her. She's really young. Yes. She's 33. This is her fourth book. Yeah. Um, she's known for, she wrote a book called The Watchmaker of Filigree Street, and she wrote a book called Bedlam Stacks, and she's won a number of awards for her writing. This is her fourth novel, uh, and if you go on Amazon, half the people gave this book five stars. Yeah, I know. And then, but the thing is, is the people that didn't like it kind of really didn't like it. So, uh-huh. so I think she, in a way, stick to your wheelhouse. She's writing for her fans. I think she's um, people who like this very specific genre. The one thing that she's been compared to David Mitchell and Cloud Atlas, and I disagree. I love that book. Did you read that book? No, I haven't. I know. So it's a really good book. It's a hard book, but what it is is... Is that the one with the movie? Came out? That was it's a, a movie. Yeah, it was a bust, right? The movie didn't do well. Yeah. And I didn't actually see the movie, but basically I read it a long time ago, but what it is, is there's, it's almost like there, it's a short stories essentially. And at the end or somewhere in each story, it somehow connects with either the previous or the, or the previous one in like super, super cool ways. Oh. Like it's really, um, it's a great book, but it's anyway, I just didn't think it was executed the same, but um, so anyway, is there, yeah, I, I read the plot summaries of the other books that she wrote because yeah. I was really curious about yeah. it too. Yeah. And the element that they had that it, they're just so unique. This is unique. It's so, the storylines are just yeah. like, like one of them I think is in like Victorian England and has like Me- Meiji Japanese guy in Northern Japan wow. and they somehow link like she's very yeah. creative. Yeah. Creative, um, bold, and also just. Yeah, I think that I think someone might be at the door, but we're not going to answer that. Uh, anyway, we'll that later. Um, it's Natasha Poli. Yeah, it's Natasha Poli. Well, what the hell of, are you saying? I'm kind of afraid here because I'm like, who am I? 
So I really would just say it's more uh, a matter of finding the... I think she has executed, for those who want this kind of book, mixing maybe history and fantasy together, um, I think it might be a good pick, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah, I think there's some people that would really like it for the ride. It is a ride. Yeah, and if it sounds, you're into that. And yeah. it, it sounds like what I read when I was reading the reviews after, everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the ending, or I can't believe... So it's it's a book that you need to stay, hang on for the whole path. Yeah. And I, I got off, and so that was kind of... Like the last 15% was really good. Really? Yeah. Okay, well now maybe I... Okay. You have to read it though. I have to, I have to read it. Um, okay, wait, so let's, what are you, what are you reading right now? You're reading this book. So now I'm, I'm, so now I'm flipping back to watch the goblin emperor. Emperor. Yes. Because the one thing I realized is, so I've, most of the fantasy I've written has been written by males because I think predominantly a lot of the fans of fantasy are males. Right. You know, you don't go to fantasy book clubs to meet girls generally. No. So anyway, so I've started to read this again. It's called The Goblin Emperor. Yeah. Which may sound a bit geeky, but it's a very unique concept. And the irony of this is that it is so rich in detail. Right. Her world building is polar opposite of Natasha Poli, who's very sparse in her world building. Right, right. So I've started this. Um, it's okay so far. Yeah. I think it has a chance of getting really good once yeah. right now you're, she's describing the curtains of an event right. and once you get behind the curtains I think this could get really good Right. and the woman at Book Warehouse was just freaking out about this book when I bought really? it she said it's her favorite of all time she was totally geeking out with me so yeah so I'm encouraged with that so that's what I'm reading now um, have you ever read any N.K. Jemison or do you know about her? no she's a, a woman uh, a fantasy writer she's oh. supposed to be good Okay. So, but I haven't, haven't read her, but I've just been hearing about cause, her. Because another really f- popular one is Robin Hobb. Okay. And she's a female writer. And I went to White Dwarf Bookstore, you know where that is, on <laughs> West 10th. <10. laughs> Wait, yes, I do. Is that still around? It's still around. And wait, I don't know how they what are they? What are they? They're only selling fantasy books? Yeah. They, but their specialty is like fantasy books. Oh my God. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of like Step Brothers when the guy only sings 1980s Billy Joel songs. <laughs> But anyway, um, they, yeah, they only sell um, fantasy books. Okay. And they've been there forever. They have, yeah. And anyway, so when I, George R. R. Martin, I caught up to his books and I was having yeah. withdrawal. Yeah. Because it, it's taken him forever. That's a different story. But And she said, oh, read Robin Hobb. Everybody loves Robin Hobb. And I said, oh, wow. And I thought him back, this will be the first woman I've ever read in fantasy. So I started wow. reading it and I couldn't do it. I struggled. I read the first book. But then after that, I just couldn't. I Wasn't thought, the right. boy, what's wrong with me? Yeah. So anyways, that's why I'm excited about this one, because this looks very promising, the one by the Goblin Emperor. And the other thing I wanted to ask, I actually get um, a lot of book recommendations from your wife, oh, Jill, yes. Yes. and also TV show recommendations. So what are you guys watching right now? Anything, <laughs> anything good? Um, <laughs> well, we're really looking forward to Succession. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's the big You're the one. second person who's come on the podcast to say that. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's got good dynamics. Um, yeah, I mean, we also like watching documentaries. Like, there was one yeah. on, and I'm forgetting the name top of my head. It's about a legging company. 
I don't know if you heard about it. It was basically oh, I, a pyramid scheme. I have heard about this. And it's... it's I think she told me about she it. She would have. We just watched it the other yeah, night. And yeah, it yeah. was very compelling. Okay. And then I watched a very compelling uh, series about Michael Schumacher, who was the Formula One uh, driver. Oh, okay. Um, and I won't tell the full story, but he's basically the best F Formula One driver in history. And it's kind of a... Looks back on him. And I'm not really an F1 fan. Yeah. But it just, to me, was such a compelling story, and he's such an ambiguous figure, and it, it, I found it really powerful and fun to watch, even if you're not an F1 fan. Okay, that's good. All right, well, you know what? Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and I'd love it if you uh, came back, and maybe next time you can choose your own book. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> that's how it works. Okay. Thanks so much to David Gates for coming on the podcast and highlighting the importance of fantasy fiction in our lives. And I'm actually going to, I'm not going to say I'm going to run out and actually get all the books he mentioned, but I think I'm going to look a little closer at that genre. Uh, I'm interested in checking out N.K. Jemisin, so I'm going to see how that goes. And I wanted to invite you to check out my social media at, on Facebook and Instagram at Redfern Book Review uh, for updates on how to subscribe to my newsletter. And I also will have information in the show notes. And it's a way to get more connected and learn about extra titles, learn about giveaways and behind the scenes information on this podcast. And I also wanted to welcome you back next week when I'm going to talk about two super funny, uh, we're going to talk about two books from very funny authors, uh, humorists and essayists, David Sedaris and Anne Lamott. They're crowd pleasers and many of you will be familiar with their work and they each have new books out. So until then, um, I just wanted to say happy reading and I will talk to you later.